Hello, thank you for joining me. Uh, this is Jaded. I'm Jody. This is Impromptu, but kind of tying into my last podcast, which I will admit honestly and openly was not a good place for me. Um, I, I go to that place more often than folks know, and I guess I, at the time, felt that it was something people needed to know, uh, because despite what you see when you look at me, there's so much more going on and um here i am with my good friend nick as we know amazing therapist uh many many years in the field and i'm grandfather oh grandfather well father and grandfather great grandfather great at all of those great grandfather times two congratulations congratulations um i just had him listen to my podcast that was just a week before this and i wanted to follow up with him mostly because uh, you know I, I am not new to the mental health field as far as myself uh, the first time that I did go to therapy it was uh, as a family after we moved to Utah two of my sisters went to school with bruises they both had the same counselor she noticed we were required to go to therapy family therapy and that was my first experience which from what I recall how old were you? Um, it was, well, we moved here when I was 12, so it was between 12 and 14. Um, well, it was probably between 8 and 12. My therapy experience? That you had that in Utah. No, it was in Utah. It was in Colorado. Utah oh, didn't give a shit oh. about the fact that we were oh, being abused Oh, you came to home. Utah. Uh, we came to no, Colorado. Came to Colorado at 12 years old, and between 12 and 14, you went through this family yes, therapy. Yes, because my sisters were both in high school, Yeah. and, you know, when they do counselors by alphabet. And you have how many sisters? I have three sisters. Two older, <coughs> Joanne, uh, well, just three okay. older. Two older, JJ, Jody, Brett, Brian, J. So there's... Uh, so you have three brothers. I have three sisters, two brothers. Two brothers. Yeah. And at the time, there was, you know, me and the two older sisters, and then there were the three younger. So if you split six and half, right, you got mm -hmm. three older, three uh -huh. younger. Right. All right. At the time, uh, apparently my mother had had it and what I recall from this therapy was my mother saying, you know, Kent, if you don't get shit in order, I'm going to take the three littlest and I'm going to go. Okay, I am not so, one of the so three littlest. So what was she complaining about? Well, my father being abusive. But my uh, mother oh, was... So she, so she brought that to the table. That she did. Was, well, that's why we were there. Abused. It was hard to avoid. That's why we were there. Because <laughs> he, he was an asshole, and he, he was he, beating, he was beating just, the kids. He was angry. He was abusive. Yes. Yeah. Hold on. Okay, and thanks for holding. We're back. Um, my point of that story was that was my first experience with therapy, and after my mom said, I'll take the three littlest and leave... My two older sisters and I looked at each other and thought, well, where the hell does that leave us? You're going to leave us with this bastard and you're going to take, like, we're not worth rescuing too? So, Nick, that was my first experience So that therapy. was rather traumatizing. Rather traumatizing. Second time I had to go to therapy, I was 17. I had started, I had given up my virginity to my ex and he was telling me that he wanted to continue a relationship with a, another ex after I had just given this up, and I had written a letter to him, and accidentally, this was back in the days when you had one or two phones in your home, and you had a really long cord, right, so, you, right, so right, right. at this particular conversation, I was in my parents' room, which yeah. was the only other house, the only other room with a phone, uh -huh. 
And I'd been talking to him on the phone as I wrote the letter, and I left the letter on my parents' bed. Okay, so in the letter, I said that I had given up my virginity to him, basically admitted to having premarital sex, and my parents found this letter. To my father, he said this was what he thought a cry for help. And therefore, my parents required me to go see a psychotherapist, Dr. Julie Moreno, who I still think is great. But that was my second experience with therapy was I'd accidentally left a letter I really didn't mean to leave on my parents' bed, and now I was required to go to therapy because I had issues. What was the letter saying? The letter was saying that I had given my ex my virginity and I loved him, and why did he <coughs> want to be with someone else after I'd done that? So it you, was, you left that on your parents' bed? I, because that's where I'd been on the phone writing it as I was on the phone. That was the only second phone in the house. Well, that's kind of interesting because you seem to leave an assortment of things. Oh, you motherfucker. No, I'm just saying. You are right. There's a pattern here. That's frightening to hear. Well, I just want... That's why I talked to you. But So that was my second experience with therapy. Um, My next experience with therapy was my son and all the things that were going on with him. So as far as therapy goes... Which son? You know. Not not so much the point. No, Kyler. Not so much the point. My point is I (coughs) was really, really depressed in that podcast. Really yeah, depressed. You were. And yeah. and Nick, I go there a fucking lot. You don't know how often I am there. I was I was I, if I had heard that, I would have called nine one one. Well, I'm glad you didn't because you know, that's a natural, normal occurrence for me. No, and it's, I, it pointed Nick, out to me that I need to. It's daily. I, I need, no, I need to. I I need to contact you every day. Uh, even in, in a short text, I, anything that says I still support you, because. You go there. But I've been doing it for years on years on years. On years. And I'm still here. But my, my point, what yeah, I wanted... You're still here, but yeah, I don't know. What what you, I wanted, what, what's going to change? What, what, what I wanted to discuss change? with you, because I am on mood stabilizers. I am on antidepressants. From that recording that you heard, am I at therapeutic level? Am I on the right meds? Am I going down the right course? Like, I don't know... If the treatment I'm getting is what I should be getting, is there something else I should be doing? Like, how the fuck do I get out of this? Okay. I don't think medications are going to prevent depression. They will help, but they won't prevent you being depressed. I think that depression embodies a a spectrum of, of environmental um, causes, okay? You think so? See, and I... Well, yeah, I mean... I if disagree. You, uh, let, all right, let's say you feel isolative. You feel, I don't have a friend. You feel, my kids hate me. You feel, and you're living in your parents' house, and... Those are environmental factors I, that I'm would just, equal being isolated, but when no, I no, isolate, I'm, those I'm, aren't things no, I consider. No, but I'm saying that feeling that alone... And that's, that's, what As I, that's what I heard. Those factors don't make uh, me feel alone. They you, should. When you look no, at it... you felt hopeless. But not those factors, right, so even what, though they lead to that, that right, is not so why you, I feel right, that so way. You're, you, I feel that way no matter where I am, so no matter you, right. who is in my life. No, ma- I feel that way all the time. All right, so the meds aren't working. And we need to go and get those reevaluated. Which ones? All of them? All of them. Maybe you need to do a washout. 
you know. I did a washout but for the we, last No, seven. no, but... I did a washout, Nick. That's why I'm right, trying so, them again for right, the so first meds, time. I, you've been clean now for a while. And We're going on two months. Yeah, uh, Tuesday. Yep. And so we have to give the meds a little bit of chance to work while you're clean, okay? But that's when I started taking them. All right, so let's. It's, it's so been, we're going it's, on two, uh, months two months with the meds. Two months on the meds, right? This podcast with your depressive um, dual diagnosis stuff going on there. When when did you do that? When, when did I do? When what? did you record that? Which uh, the, the the depressive rant that they've you they've no oh the one that you just heard yeah um, Tuesday or Wednesday this last Tuesday or Wednesday mm-hmm. all right last Tuesday and Wednesday. You're living in your parents' house. You don't have a job. You have a potential for a job. You're I ang- didn't at the time. Well, yeah. You're anxious about what am I going to do. Your uh, unemployment is cut off. Yep. You have no way of supporting yourself. Yep. You know? Those are all true. All right. So that could help. And, and, and you're probably not pillows. eating. You're not eating. Uh, you're not probably hydrating. You're not probably. You're not exercising. Not taking care of myself. You're not taking care of yourself. No. Right. Mm-mm. You're isolating your room. All right. And you are basically depressed because the situation, the environmental situation, and in your actual situation, <laughs> would be appropriate to be depressed. Right, but but it's like I said, and, I know and, there are things I could be doing. I could right. be getting up at a time. I can't say a, a medication is going to ha- help you in that situation. What do you think would be a more... If you have... Um, more potentially positive. All right, so, all right, you've got a job. I do, I have it. And, and that's, what, that's right. one of the things I wanted to bring up, because that was maybe Wednesday. Friday, and, and I have to tell you, lately, since I've been on the meds, trying to go to bed at a regular time, by... Five o'clock in the morning, I am restless. Oh, me too. Not for me. That's never been in my life. Ever been in my life. I'm ready to go at five o'clock. And I'm fighting it. I'm like, oh, I don't feel good. I got to go back to sleep. Okay. All right. But Friday, I'm like, you know what? Your body's saying get up. Get the fuck up. So I got up. I knew that I had gotten a call from this potential job the week before. It's been a week. I couldn't believe they still had an opening. There were a couple things I had to follow. All of a sudden, that Friday morning, getting up when my body said, get up, I tackled things. That was just yesterday. That was just yesterday. This recorded podcast was when just texted, four days ago. When you texted me and said how, how anxious you were. Yes. And, and that was, that was, a okay. That was pretty so, good. You texted me. You okay. Told, yeah, yeah. But so, so I got on the phone. I called this place. I was like. I was hoping to get voicemail, but I said, you know, I got a call from John St. Lugens. Uh, he was looking to fill a position. I'm sorry I haven't called back till today, but, you know, I'm interested. If he has time to interview, have him call me. The woman was great. She was great. Um, then I tackled something else on the phone, and then I go, and I'm like, okay, so we've started this, Jody. And I know this all sounds trivial to anybody listening, but because most people know how to start their day. But I thought, okay, we're up. Uh, let's go shower. Okay? Not let's, but I'm going to go shower. So I go and I shower. I shower. I come out. My phone. I missed a call. I listen to the voicemail. It's the sweet girl that I spoke to when I called. And she says, John will be in at this time. You know, you should be expecting a call. Call me if you have any problems. Okay. So I'm out of the shower now. And I'm like, "Mm, he hasn't called. Okay. So I call her back. And I said, I just haven't heard from him. Um, You know, just want to make sure he was still going to call me. And she says, oh, well, he's in a business meeting. But he should call you shortly. Okay, so he calls me, 
I answer it, we talk, banter back and forth. I very much composed myself. I sounded professional. I sounded on the ball. I, I was very much present in full form. Okay? Then he says, you know, well, can you come in for an interview at 10.30? We were on the phone. It was 9.07. And I was like, oh. He says, 10.30 or 3 o'clock. And I said, or no, he says, 10 o'clock or 3 o'clock. And I said, 10. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, but I just, I wouldn't want to be late. So I would like to air on 3 o'clock. And he says, okay, how about 11? And I'm thinking, this man's off. Okay, I can be there at 11. Okay, it's 9.07 when I'm on the phone. So as soon as I hang up the phone, I start crying. And I'm like, oh, shit. I can't fucking do this. Like, I, I can't do this. I, I can't go down there and interview. I, I don't know what to wear. I don't, I don't think I have everything I need. I, what the I'm fuck un- did I do? You felt unworthy. I, no, I, I just felt unready, unprepared. Like, I'd set myself up, and well, I already knew I was going to fail. It's been a long time. It's you know? kind of everything. And you're sober now. And I'm sober now, but shouldn't sober mean a little more in control of my fucking facilities? No. Like, it makes you feel unworthy. Well, I just felt unprotected. My daughter, no, my daughter. I'm telling you, I didn't feel unworthy. I did not feel unworthy. I felt unprepared. I felt raw. I felt like I, I, I didn't have enough to go. Like there, you, there wasn't enough of me or enough of I. I like, I couldn't do it. Like, I was going to fail. You were in a panic. Ultimately, I yeah. And I saw failure already. And... Why? Because I assumed I was going to fail. Have you failed before? I fail all the time. When? When was your last failure? Look at my kids. I fail daily, Nick. All I right, fail so, when I right, don't have a job so, right, and my so, father right, this wants... Is, like, this, is your, this is what you have written on your forehead... Failure, right? I, I wouldn't I'm a say that, but I think that when I look at approaching every day, well, I see that. That's a trigger. I mean, anything that is going to challenge you is going to bring up that. It's going to be a trigger for you to bring that up. I'm a failure. I can't do that. I know, but I never used to feel panicked like well, that before. Why do you think that happened? It's ever since jail. <coughs> before the jail, sh- I did it, not. It, so it has something to do with shame. Shame and loss and Shame. PTSD, maybe. I mean, Jill, I lost everything. Shame. I lost identity. I lost my family. I lost my home. I, I lost my kids. I and, and something interesting, I know I bring Jordan Peterson up all the time, but Jordan okay. Peterson brought up how prevalent agoraphobia is in women over 40. Because of hormonal shifts? No, is that your guess? Are, are you aware of that statistic that it's higher in, in specifically women over the age of forty? Well, uh, uh, well, yeah, that would be an anxiety disorder. It's, it's why panic what? disorder with agoraphobia. Driven by what? Driven by uh, uh, feelings of uh, inadequacy or not, or fear of uh, being in social situations. Okay, and that's Jordan Peterson. But Jordan Peterson's take <sighs> is that it it very much ties into the relationship with your father. Okay. Because if your father is a protective father and he takes care of everything pretty much so that you don't have to worry, the, the home is never in distress, like he takes care of those like things. Like I do with Luna Hazel. Right. And, and then if they move on, say, to a husband who also performs those mm-hmm. duties, takes care of the security, blah, blah, blah. Well, women in their 40s are A, are a more likely to be divorced. 
or second of all, going through a traumatic event where they no longer feel, okay, there's a protection from the father, and I'm probably getting this right, wrong, wrong, probably okay. getting it wrong, well, I might have to look it up, but there's a protection that a person feels from a father that once they have to go out on their own, like your father tells you what's wrong and what's right, right, right. so you know those boundaries, so you know if you screw up, mm -hmm. but if you go out into the world, and if the world either A, has different boundaries, or second of all, your father can no longer... You can't well, somehow bounce. you're confronted with rejecting your father's values. No, somehow you are confronted with being judged by yourself as a whole by people unfamiliar to you. With your father, you know what's wrong, you know what's right. And you know how he judges you. Exactly. So you know how to behave thus. Right. When you go out into the world, none of those people embody exactly the ideals of your father. So we're getting back to the... the, the uh, the, the archetypal yes uh, yes thing of of you need your father's approval well appro in and every, disapproval in every relationship approval and disapproval just not in relationship you but need in the life guidance as a woman it, no not even as a woman men have men have well, father yeah, men, issues men too have, men have to do if your father doesn't approval. tell you what is right and what is wrong if that is not clear to you then you will always feel on uneven ground because it is the father that we try to please. Well, right. There's, that, that's been a huge problem with um, single-parent homes. Absolutely. Because the fathers are absent. Yes. And you've got little boys being brought up by mothers. Right. And, and that is, you know... Archetypically, they, they, mothers will never represent that of the yeah, father. Yeah, if they don't find a coach or a teacher or something else... A male, right. Or they might find a gang. Positive role model. Well, yes, there's, you know, that, there's that too. Because, uh, or you've got the girls that you know. slip into sleeping with several men because they're just looking for love. Right. They just need. They don't have dad. Right. And you and, know, and, and you know, Jordan dad, Peterson dad talks is, about that dad, a lot. Dad is a is a blank screen which little girls can project onto as their ideal man if he's a good man. Well, no, daddy tells you if you've been a good girl or yeah. if you've been a bad right. girl. Right. It's not so much a screen. Well, it's yeah. to me, it's. It, it's it's, this is good or this is bad, yes. It, it doesn't have to be uh, even saying what he's talking about. No, it doesn't. No. But that's what you will that's identify you, with yeah. and look for. And absolutely. And <clears throat> boy, that went down a little bit of a different road than I thought. Um, well, I know, but, but here's the thing. Um, how are you going to, um, I, I, I guess, heal... Uh, this uh, this daddy approval thing. Well, that's part of my question to you is, how do I proceed to try to fix me? Do I try to fix daddy issues? Do I go down the EMDR route? Do I do the cognitive behavioral? Do I get on medication? No, well, do well, I... well, 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 let's see how much they're affecting you, first of all. Which? But that means daddy, What daddy issues? Well, daddy issues is big. Obviously, but I've, also, I've got others. I've got trust. I've got abandonment. And they may all tie into daddy. But how do I fix that? I mean, as I've grown older, I've learned to respect my father. All I've right, seen him right. do amazing things for my mother, which clearly show the man has the capability to love. Yeah. I mean, he got my mom bird feeders, two separate ones, in fact, because the big birds would come and the little birds couldn't get the food. So he bought a separate one that was lightweight for just small birds. And then the squirrels started coming, so my dad gives them nuts every day. He does all that just so my mother can see or heard. The, I'm telling you. So I know my father has that capacity to love, or, or, or whatever that is. But did he ever show that to me? No. Well, growing up, I mean, he had that? six kids. He was overwhelmed. 
Oh my God! I'm sure they six both were. Kids. I'm sure they both were. Yeah, where does you that leave four, us six kids? You had kids? four kids. Where does that leave us six kids? Well, a, a product of somebody who's overwhelmed. All right. Of so I, I have some forgiveness for that because and, you know. But but overwhelmed. I mean that doesn't excuse you. Doesn't, don't have six kids. Would I would say you know have two kids. And it, and and you will admit you know as well as I do that in our parents' generation hitting your kids was. Actually, sometimes expected when they got out. Well, of oh, definitely, and, and actually, in various cultures, I mean, including African American cultures, um, physical spanking and things like that. Uh, from a social worker perspective, you have to look the other way because that's their culture. Oh, right, and you can't. You know? Yeah, it's, it's that that you you. It's like white men trying to. Yeah, don't judge them. That's how they have. Don't bring us smallpox. We do it this way. You know. No, you get into the you know the white population of tree huggers and things like that who said don't spank your kids you know they're traumatized and all this. Well, you know, oh, my that. opinion is that if you look across every mammal in in the entire world, mm -hmm. all right, and how they discipline their their little babies, yeah, you find the lioness biting at her little babies when they get out of line, right. you know. You find, uh, you know, an another animal that, that is slapping the little baby because, you know, they, they went the wrong way. Or you've way. got a mother that eats a baby after it's newborn probably because it wasn't going to survive. Yeah, but you also have that same mother with the baby telling the baby not to eat this or not to eat that, you know. And but push, only the ones that she knows and don't go, have Don't cross the road, you know. Don't cross the road in front of traffic, you know. I mean, have you ever had litters of puppies or litters of cats? Oh, yeah. Some of them of born with either mm -hmm. out of limb or without it. And have mm -hmm. you ever seen the mother, like, actually eat it? Yes. And, and that's um, natural selection? Well, oh. survival of the fittest. <laughs> yes, to to the core. To but the core. all right, so we're getting off track here. Yes, sorry, but we, you have the we parents who no, discipline we were, yeah, the babes. Right. So what you're saying is that some, in some way, your life and your perspective, uh, your per, per, how you perceive yourself, is affected by your conditioning that you receive from your father. Uh, would that be a true statement? Uh, I suppose it could, but my true question is, you know me, you know my family history. I had an abusive father. I had a mother who acquiesced but protected us until we were old enough to protect ourselves, and that was my upbringing. And then I tried my best to raise four kids on my own. Well, and wait then, a second. And then I ended up in jail, and now I am trying to make a new right. life for oh. myself mm -hmm. i am seeking what i think are the proper avenues i mental health turn me into medication i'm going to be getting therapy as well but honestly if i were you or if okay yeah no if you were taking care of me if you were my caretaker and if you could decide what i needed to do to best better me where would you start what would you do how do you see that working? Well, you already started it. Get a job. You have to become independent. Okay? That's That makes me... That makes my lungs feel tight. It makes my throat so, swell up. So you have anxiety around that? Yep. You're afraid you're going to fail? I already have. I've seen it. You're not going to fail this one. Okay? You have, you have a duty to help 
But I don't. You. You when a, I had my kids, I had a duty to have a home of my own. But I don't you're going to change now, right? You're going to work on it. I right? need to find enough reason in me to do that. Okay. I didn't have to look for it before. I had my kids, and they were the answer. I did it for them, but right, now I have right, me. All right, so here. One, you have to support yourself, right? Why? You're, you're all by yourself. Help me you're find all by yourself. reasons to do that. I understand that's what I have to do, but I have to care enough about me to do that. And I don't know how to do that. Does it help if you know that someone else cares about you? Maybe only more a than, little. Only a little. Because I feel like like I'm a burden to everyone who cares about me and loves me. And, and if I wasn't here, I wouldn't have to be that burden. But I'm not really <coughs> doing anything well, to positively impact no, anybody else's you're, you're, life you're, right now. No, you're positively impacting my life right now because you're here. I and feel, it helps. I feel happy that you're here. So that happiness is in my soul and my heart. And I'm and working on that. This yeah, you know, and I'm sharing. You know, I'm sharing a discussion with you. Uh, I, I'm looking at you, and you're, you're you're very pretty. And I'm thinking, but gee, when that, I come to you with this me? heavy bullshit, no, no, you, you no, you don't. Uh, you don't have to say that because I'm your friend. But it's a lot. No, but I'm your friend. But it's a lot. Uh, no, I, I mean no. Uh, friends are there no matter what. Uh, uh, you, <laughs> you remember the time when I was in a relationship with Lori, uh, and we had been in a relationship for six and a half years, and I raised her children and everything else. In fact, her daughter had me walk her down the aisle. The aisle when she got right, married. Exactly, Cassie. Amazing. Right. All right, so I had this problem here at my house where uh, the former tenant who I had rented to had buried prostitutes in my backyard. Yeah. All right, remember this, that? Yeah. It's All right. recorded. All right, so then... Where were you going with that and Well, why? the thing, here, here's what I'm saying about friendship, okay? Okay. Lori, I, I loved her. I, she was my best Very friend. Very much. She was my fr best friend, okay? You acquiesced to all of her yeah, precautions yeah, about yeah, time with her kids and... Time with her kids and her bisexual stuff and all, you know, the whole... Oh, whole yeah, line. I yeah, forgot yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. All right, so as soon as that happened... Seven minutes and counting. As soon as that happened... The bodies in the backyard. Right, like this horrible... Yeah, horrible like, thing that happened in my life. Like it's happened to yeah. nobody ever. Yeah, who, who the fuck that does that happen to? Nobody right? ever. Nobody ever, you know. Who has bodies in their backyard, right? <laughs> I mean, literally, literally, yeah, literally, literally. I mean, that is like bizarre. Everybody you know? has bodies in somewhere, but somewhere, like, but true in ones your, that you can under dig your, up under your kitchen window, right? That you can do DNA samples. They one? stink and everything. Else. All oh right. God! So I had cops. I had helicopters over my house. I had these big uh, satellite dish vans and things like that. And you and and uh, yeah. she knew about it. She knew all about that. She told me not to go here. I said, I, "It's my house. So, I have to go here." Oh wait, so she told you she not told to? She told me not to go here when the police not to come home. Not to come home and, and, and let them let you know, it just let work them itself dig. out. Oh, holy cow! And then the next day, she said, "I can't do this anymore. I, you know, I don't want my children exposed to it." Now the thing of it is, here, here's a woman. It's not a good friend. Lo no, Lori's a woman who, whose ex-husband tried, tried, tried to kill, to kill her. her. All right. That doesn't excuse so, but, you know, her, not. Apparently, she got triggered. You know. 
I would see the opposite in that. Well, I'm just me. saying you're my best friend, and this is the lowest part of my life, the lowest time of my life. No, I'm not. I'm talking about her. Oh, right? sorry. Yes. Talking okay. About her. Sorry. And, and you're not here to support me through this, right? You're pr- after I've been with you for you six and a half years. Yeah, I was living with her. I mean, not even giving you an option of distance, saying you know, let's just live apart yeah. while this happens. Yeah, let's get this taken care She's of. She's like, no. Ugh. that's it. All right, friendship. A true friend would have been there with me. Right, I agree. Should have. All right. Absolutely. But that was a strange. Odd it's bizarre. I know. Phenomenal. No, I know. It's bizarre. To your kids. It's not a demon that lives in your head. No, it's it's. I, I understand. I, all right. I hear what you're saying. Okay. The demon that lives in your head seems to be. Uh, co- seems to cause a curtain that comes down. It's more like a wet blanket. Or a wet blanket. It keeps me from being able to move at all. Right. So, all right. So, we need to go to the psychiatrist. Okay? I'll go with you if you want me to. Um, I've been there. I've seen her. I've we, talked we, to her. We need to talk to her some more and find out because your depression is not stable. Okay? But is my mood stable? Your mood that, is, that was yeah, one of my no, questions. No, your mood is relatively stable. My mood I mean, is stable at depressed, right? But you're depressed. I mean, you. you but I. But, but it's, when are you depressed? You're wait, not depressed right now, wait, are you? Wait, is it stable? Because I recorded this sad podcast Wednesday and Friday. I was up, and oh, and we didn't finish that story. Up and Adam about the jobs. Right. Then I freaked out. I cried quite a bit. Yeah. I went to Sherry's beforehand. Me. I talked to her. I asked my mom about my outfit, which was funny because she goes, "Well, if I was on that show, don't wear that. I would tell you do it." And I said, what the fuck does that mean? I Do it or don't do it. But you found that funny, didn't you? I, I did find All it. All right, so... Yeah, well, I wasn't sure if she was insulting me. No, but no, that was funny. So I took her advice, and then I went to Sherry's, and I kind of came in there crying, and I'm like, I I just, like, I'm freaking out. I can't. And she goes, Jody, stop saying you can't. First of all, just stop saying you can't, because you know what? You got this. And I think in my head, like, you know, yeah, I, I do, I do, because <coughs> we all know that say you do kind of a thing but and and I know this is going to sound silly and I don't care but 4th of July week, 4th of July weekend may it be that song I'm proud to be an american mm-hmm. came on the radio as I was driving my interview knowing this guy was a disabled vet yeah. but also just the power of that song and the the job itself involves veterans it does right it does that's important to me. but I got so wrapped up in the fact that you know what as fucked up as I am as much of a struggle as my life has been for me, if there had been any other country that I was born into, I would not be alive today. Nobody would give a fuck about what's going on with me. There wouldn't be, what option do I have? Should I do this? Should I? You know what? Even though I am still stuck in who I am and what I am afflicted with, I am fucking proud to be an American. I am proud to be here because I have options. I have options to insight, to learning, to I, I can do my own research. I can go see different providers of different professions. I actually have so many fucking options to me that as depressed as I am, I am fucking proud to be an American. And that song really rode with me all the way to the interview. Went to the interview. Nailed it. Fucking aced it. Felt good. You know, but I aced it because there was no talk about your previous jobs. Why were you let go from this one? None of that came up. 
there was no, we're going to do a background check. There was no, let's do a drug test. There was, uh, when he started saying, so what you'll be doing, I knew I had the job. It was no longer what this position is. So it you was, must have felt great about that. I did. So I did. you were happy. I, I know, but I do this depressed, and then I do the anxious, I'm, I'm like up, and I'm round to grow, and then I do the cry all the way to the fucking interview and then at the interview I fucking ace it and then when I'm leaving I'm like oh my god can I get there Monday at 7.30 like that, fuck why the fuck can't I why can't I just be one speed why alright so yeah I hear you yeah it, what are you on now what, what, I'm what on Lamictal I'm still on 100 milligrams and that's I, too low What's it there? I don't know the therapeutic. You dose could go up uh, as high as four four hundred. Because I'm I'm not gonna get on lithium. I'm not gonna do that. All right, you go up as high as four hundred. Okay, so earlier you were saying you weren't sure meds was the way. Now you're saying. Well, obviously you have mood swings and and you're going into highs and lows. Right. And so you're on Lamictal. What else? Um. Celexa. No, Lamictal and Lexapro. Lexapro. Not. I'm only on ten milligrams, and no, even that's when not I enough. do twenty, twenty doesn't work. I know, but what am I really, like, looking at? You're like, looking at being on medications for the rest of your life. <laughs> fuck. And do you think I'm at least maybe started on the right ones? Because I know it could be. Well, yeah, yeah, but so too, the, the dosages are too low. But here's a question for you. Which one of those two is making it hard for me to orgasm? Because that yeah, is a probably, son of a bitch. It's, it's probably the Prozac. I'm not on Prozac. Well, I mean, that's the problem. You think so? I yeah. never had that problem. It's not an SSRA. Yes, it is. Lexapro's an SSRA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what would be an al- Is there an alternative to that? Um, because shit, have when to you're stressed, to, you have to, to be talk able to, to do the doctor. That. Uh, you'd have to talk to the doctor. I'm okay with um, this. I'm okay with this. Uh, uh, I, because I know a lot of no, people on antidepressants have, have that problem. Uh, who are on SSRIs? They either can't get it up or right, they can't. Right. Exactly. Finish. Right. And that's true for women too. They have a. So what's what's an alternative to an SSRI? Do you know? Is that outside? Sorry. Um, no, there, 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 there's no, there's, there's, um, you could take it in Abilify, okay. I thought Abilify had to be taken in conjunction with an antidepressant. Well, no, Abilify can be taken with Lamictal, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That might be something worth looking into. And it is a mood stabilizer. It's will it make my it, skin it, slough it, off it, like Lamictal will if I stop no. taking it? Did you know that was a site that was... Don't, uh, don't mess with Lamictal. Yeah, don't stop taking it. Apparently no. my skin will just slough off. No, you off. can get a lethal rash if you... Uh, you got to be careful. You know what sloth means, right? Yeah, your skin starts... It can just start to... Yeah, that's worse than a rash, if you ask me. Yeah. My skin just starts fucking falling off. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Yeah, that's, and, and pro- that's problematic. And Bishop didn't tell me that. Yeah, that's problematic. Is that something they learned recently? I should look that up on no, my own. But that happened to you. So just no, it's never happened to me. My well, new don't, doctor don't told me that was it. a possibility. Yeah. Bishop never mentioned that. Yeah. Well, so I'm just wondering. All if right, Bishop this is new. old. All right. Yeah. So yeah. All right. I hope he's well. Do you know? I don't know. No. That's too bad. You were good colleagues, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Liked yeah. him a lot. And his wife. Good. Never met her, but to put up with him, you know. Yeah. Just <laughs> Just All right, kidding. anyway, so, we should probably wrap this up. And we are going to wrap this up. This went much longer than I intended to, and we are headed off to sushi, so sorry all you suckers, you don't get to go with us. But um, thank you for listening. Obviously, there's going to be more of this. I'm going to maybe have to change the topic of my podcast, because not only am I living with dual diagnosis, but I'm nuts. And it's more just kind of a road down... Mm, 
down the pathways of my life. I don't know. It's become very self-centered, and I'm going to have to move away from that. But uh, as it stands, this is Jaded. I'm Jody. I'm Nick. And we appreciate you listening. Thank you.